Welcome back to TMT Time. I'm your host, Evan Rothstein, and this is a production of the Technology, Media, and Telecommunications Group here at Arnold Porter. I am back with my guest host, Josh Eisbart, for our guest host series, and we have a terrific guest on the slate today in the podcast, and I will preface this with saying we tried very hard to get this gentleman on the podcast. We tried so hard that his computer broke twice. And for someone who is in the technology industry as a CEO, nonetheless, in the technology industry, that is quite the feat. I am talking about Joe Thurman, the CEO of Interview IA. Joe, welcome into the podcast. <laughs> Thanks, Evan. Yeah, it was a bit of a challenge, but we made it. Good to be here. Yosh, tell our listeners what we were talking about while we were waiting for Joe to fix his Windows 95 machine. <laughs> Just as a bit of background, Joe is um, pretty amazing, and uh, he focuses on the uh, within the HR space, which he's going to tell us a lot about. He does not focus on telecommunications. So, um, just as a as a as a note, we were talking about air conditioning and um, the exciting world of replacements of air conditioning units. Our podcast producer, who's going to get a name drop for the first time ever, Alex Lee actually butted in and said, is this what adults talk about in their free time? Uh, and the answer to that question is yes. We don't have a lot going on, which is why we host a podcast and why we need to bring in exciting guests like Joe, because otherwise we would spend 35 minutes talking about air conditioning units. So Joe, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? As Joe's mentioned, um, not in telecom, not in hardware, maybe should be, um, maybe I'd have a better Maybe not, <laughs> maybe not, maybe not, can't get the internet working, can't get anything, but yeah. Um, so Joe Thurman, uh, startup CEO here in Denver, Colorado, close to a native, been here since I was three. Um, love the state, love what it brings to the table, love the ecosystem of Colorado, huge fan of, of everything here. Uh, been in town for about 15 years. And so as Josh mentioned, you know, in the um, HR tech space, so we are changing the way that companies think about the future of hiring. And at the core of that is how do you interview? How do you use technology to reduce human error in the way that you assess talent? It's a big conversation around unconscious bias and how can we remove bias from processes? It's a big conversation around efficiency for hiring. It's a big conversation around transferable skills, right? Everyone's thinking about how do you build the company of the future? A lot of that has to do with how we manage and assess the people that are interested in being a part of our company. So we live at the heart of that, trying to change the landscape and the way people think about building teams. I love how you started that with, you've been in Colorado since you were three, almost a native, because I've been in Colorado for 20 years. I tell people I'm almost a native because native Coloradans are, are really prickly about this and about all the people that have moved to our great state in the last couple of years. Am I right, Yosh? You got it, man. I'm I'm almost almost a native with 15 years. So, Joe, digging into the 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 technology, um, the you know the HR space is is pretty crowded. What are some of the things that uh, that differentiates your your company and and why organizations would want to want to implement? Yeah, I mean, there's parts of the space that are really crowded. Top of funnel. Everyone's thinking about how do you attract more people to the top of your funnel. Um, we're middle funnel. So we talk about funnel management. So there's not a lot of work that's gone into 
how do you manage funnel? How do you manage the process? Yes, we have assessments. Yes, we have those things. Um, but the ecosystem around talent is actually expanding dramatically, right? I mean, when you think of, let's just think of the people side of it. You rewind 10 years ago and there was an HR generalist and maybe a recruiter within organizations, but now we have full people ops teams, right? There's organizations that have hundreds of people who are investing time and money into figuring out how do we attract, engage, and retain the people that are gonna move our organization forward? Just the sheer investment into the human side of people ops uh, has multiplied over the last 10 years. And the same is happening in tech. So when you look at it, there are, um, you know, there's six platforms that have market share when you think about applicant tracking systems. So the backbone, the CRMs of uh, hiring, and now there's a whole ecosystem that's being built around it. Think about what happened with Salesforce, right? Salesforce launched and then there's been so many different technology plugins and verticals and other things have been built around efficiencies of pipeline management for selling. We're just at the beginning of that with HR tech and talent. And so it's actually at a very exciting time. There's a lot of training, there's a lot of consulting, but the tech enablement that's happening within people ops and the advancement of how do we reduce human errors in selecting people decision-making, high stakes decision-making, which is hiring. That's the place we grow in and, and that's the place we play in and it's growing pretty dramatically. So let me, let me ask this question so I understand this a bit more. So now when you apply for jobs, a lot of people use LinkedIn, obviously. Um, we're aware of what I call the bots that's safer and screen out all the applicants and you never even know if you're getting to a human being to review your resume. Is that something that your company does? Is that where they get in? What is, so describe a little bit more for us, like what you're talking about with the, like the middle funnel. Yeah. So no, we don't touch that. Um, there's actually a lot of interesting work around that space where uh, some companies are moving away from some of those tools, the bots that scrape and, and move people aside because all it's, all it is is fancy parsing, right? They're looking at a resume, they're parsing, they're looking at word matching. And there's two things that no one in the world in business will argue with you about job descriptions suck and resumes suck. They just do like they're going away. What are you, already... what are you talking about? My resume is the shoe. <laughs> it's awesome. Your I resume's mean... out there, Evan? That was you looking no, for a new job. This being recorded. Yeah. <laughs> um, Sorry, Joe. Oh no, it's all good. But I mean, resumes suck. Job descriptions suck, right? They are flat content that people have used for years to try to use as the first interview to try to process. So parsing just weeds out something based on word matching and little old school talent hack that some people don't know about, but it's fun um, that I share with people. Use white font. Put it at the bottom of your footer in every page and type all the keywords that you think the parsing systems are looking for for jobs that you apply to. I guarantee you will get more interviews. Um, so Dude, that's genius. Dude, that's a hack right there. That it's was just, a ridiculous drop. I don't even know if we can post this online because I don't want to share it with anyone else. <laughs> but I mean, it's, the systems are not that intelligent, right? So just put every keyword. Don't worry about exactly what your resume says, but you will be one of the hundreds that does not get weeded out and you will get your resume seen by someone, even if only 10 get through, just put all the keywords in there. That's how unintelligent these systems are. But companies know that. And so they see some of these systems as weeding out all of the potential candidates they, they might like to hire. And that's where we get into the future of transferable skills. So we sit after that screening and ultimately looking at companies are trying to invite more people into the process because we're trying to understand your potential, your capacity for a role. 
And now we have to use other processes such as human to human interaction, efficient human to human interaction. You can actually do a lot within a 15 minute conversation. You can make a pre-screen very powerful. You can actually use systems and bots to have some of that measurement, but it's all around what do you intend to measure? And so we talk about intent behind questions. Um, so what is your intention with this question? What is the prompt and what do you believe you are seeing with the person's answer or response? And you can start to map a lot of data that shows you someone's probability of succeeding within your organization. Um, one last thing, Google just released something about how many interviews does it take to hire a Googler? And they show that four interviews gave them 80% accuracy for their hiring and their confidence in retention and performance. Um, every interview beyond that gave them 1% increase in that confidence. And so there's an amount of time that you can put in and then you have diminishing return and increase of bias and subjectivity that weeds out more people. So we sit at the interview part of the, of the workflow. So, so your, your business has got to be going gangbusters because obviously not remotely prophetic, but with COVID and such a, a lack of talent out there, your product has got to be uh, a differentiator in the, the middle of the funnel and, and the greater hiring process. Can you comment uh, on that? Yeah, we're seeing three key areas where we're really thriving and that is the health system space. So not healthcare, but companies that are hiring and care about quality of care. So they're hiring people and these can be hospitals, top of funnel, they can be like, um, all the innovative groups that sit within the healthcare space. You think like a dispatch health, but like we have different people in the ambulatory business who are clients. So the people they hire directly have to do with someone's quality of care, quality of living. And so they're trying to figure out how do we better manage that funnel? Cause they are all in a struggle for hiring more and more people, quality of product, second one. So fast tech product, fast growth product companies, non-manufacturing. We don't focus on that, but so that's tech tech companies that are always hiring a bunch of engineers and growing and scaling. And then the last is um, experience. So quality of customer experience, think entertainment, like a Disney um, airlines, like they're all looking at hiring far more pilots and people who touch, you know, their customers. And so there's other areas where we don't really fit and thrive. So you'd think hospitality or restaurants and things like that. We don't really fit into that because the pace, like at the end of the day, they're just trying to find people who will show up to work for several days. Unfortunately, right now, that's the pace they're in. So we're, we don't help with that. We really help when the people you hire directly impact like something that you're looking at long-term and, and that's where we thrive right now. Joe, tell our listeners what IA means. Cause we hear a lot about AI. Totally. Uh, which is artificial intelligence, obviously, but I would be interested in exploring what AI means. Totally. Well, I'll give the non-fancy plug that everyone in the entrepreneurial space always says. They're like, well, that just must be the domain that was available um, when you needed to launch a website. Um, but that's actually not true. We had a different domain that we were looking at, which I'm so glad we didn't go with. I'm not even going to say what the name of the company was going to be. Uh, not right now. <laughs> but wait, wait, I, dude, what? You got it. What, really? <laughs> Come on. It was, it, it, it was, I don't even know if I can say, say this with it. a straight face. You got to say it. Nobody it was, can see you. You're on the podcast. That's true. You can't see my face. It was Clearbox. That was available, but clear. So it was like where there, everything is a black box of hiring and all this other stuff. And, we were making a clear box. So glad we didn't mm, go with that. That yeah. just doesn't your, land. Your current name 
Much better. Right. <laughs> okay. Land it all. So IA I, actually does tie directly into our use of machine learning and artificial intelligence. And it's not anything we made up. It's been out just as long as AI. It's just a less popular cousin. So intelligence augmentation, intelligence amplification. It's how do you use machine learning libraries to support humans or replace humans? Simple thing. AI is self-driving car. IA is driver assist. We're in the business of reducing human error through human interaction. An interview is a conversation where we want to reduce human errors, which are biased, which drive to bad decisions. We don't want to replace Evan and Yosh. We really want you to I love that because you're, you're actually keeping humans part of the process. Totally. So that's why IA is our name. It's intentional that it is a flip of the way people think about it, but it's actually a line of thinking that's supported out there. If you Google AI versus IA, things come up. So let me ask you some questions about, you mentioned one of the things that you can address with this platform is unconscious bias. We have totally. at, in law firms uh, a horrendous track record of uh, diverse and inclusive hiring and especially diverse and inclusive retention of the hires. So I'd be interested in how your platform could address some of that, especially in the law firm space and obviously across industries. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I'll just lean into the one that we talk about the most and one that is actually every company can think about and it's recall bias, which recall bias is something that neuroscientists or scientists will tell you that if it's more than several seconds, recall bias is at play. But recall bias just basically means that humans remember things that are familiar and that are comfortable. And so think of interviewing as it is. We have a conversation. You generally expect feedback within 24 to 48 hours. It's a stressful situation, even though people don't think of it that way. There's a lot of studies that have shown that interviewers Heart rates are higher than interviewees at different hmm. points of the That's interview process. I wouldn't have thought um, that. Yeah, it's high stakes. They Most of them have not been trained. Sometimes you're a first-time interviewer. So you're going through this process where you have to show your work to your company. Right? That they're going to see who you hired. Yeah, yeah. You Yosh, Yosh, you need to wear a heart monitor the next time you do an interview so we can see how, how fast your heart rate. I bet it's like... Brrr. Those I can't oh, see. Oh, he's got one. I'm he wears one. Yeah. yeah. That's why yeah, my that's computer keeps old, crashing. I have all these heart monitors and everything. Yeah. We're running the whole thing off of one VC. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but recall bias is why does like hire like? So you're in an interview. You don't really know what you intend to measure. You're having a conversation. You have 24 to 48 hours before you give your feedback. You spoke to 10 candidates. Who are you going to recommend? The person who snowboards or skis because you snowboard or ski. The person who went to your alma mater because you remember that. It turns into a conversation where then you ultimately hire people who you're comfortable with. That there's a scientific reason, and it's not the isms. It's not because you're racist or sexist, or it's not ageism. Sometimes, unfortunately, there are systems that do that, but many times it's just human nature that you are in a high stakes decision. Time has passed, and we equate the person who we remember the most to the person who will do the best job. And in turn, you have very exclusive hiring because we hire people who are like us and that happens imagine at scale how often that happens and it really has nothing to do with people's ability it just has to do with people's familiarity and that's super interesting i think you know just thinking about my own experience or you know working with in my last company um, we would have multiple stages of interviews and um, i would often sit 
uh, and listen uh, at the various stages, whether it was a culture fit or a technology or whatever assessment. And so many of the folks felt like they were good interviewers and not saying that I know more, uh, but I do. Um, so many folks believe that they're good interviewers and, and they're actually not. And so trying to take it away from the subjective and put in systems to make it more objective is totally logical. Um, that's awesome. That's great. You know, Joe, you were um, similar uh, again, cause it's always about Yosh uh, in the, in the fundraising uh, process. And you and I have, have shared over, you know, the last year, the, the ebbs and flows of, of raising um, you just uh, closed your seed round. Congratulations. Um, kind of tell us, tell us about that and experiences and don't hold back. Yeah. I mean, fundraising is, is, is tough, you know, especially at the seed stage uh, you're, you're launching an idea, managing a team, but 99% of your time is focused on, on investors and those conversations and all of it, as you know, Yosh over, as everyone knows over the last two years has been over the phone or over zoom um so gaining that trust gaining that quality of relationship over a phone call over a zoom call for someone to write you checks is different for both the investors and for startups um i'll say you know i had prepared for it to be harder than it was as far as the actual getting to the lead but i underestimated the effort to fill and close the round, you know, at the seed stage, I think it's just, you, you envision that, you know, once you get that lead, everything perfectly falls into place. And that's just not the case. Like uh, the biggest piece of feedback that I got from one of my mentors was run through the finish line. And if you know anything about sports or track or whatever, it was like, do not let up until you have closed that entire round. And I'd say without that advice, we probably would have fell short um, because it just takes so much effort to finish around at the seed stage, you know, um, because you're fighting for good terms that are not overly advantageous to your investors. Right. So it's not like it's a down round where everyone's throwing money at you. Um, you're fighting for position, but you're also looking for the right people who are willing to take an early bet on you with limited data. It was hard. I mean, it was hard and, and, stretched me to the brink for sure so now that you have the round closed what are what are the next steps for interview ia where, where are you going to grow more are you going to spend it on marketing and you're going to staff up what are some of the things you're going to do yeah so i mean product uh and so we're focused on evolving the product our number one thing is ease of purchase. So when we had our initial product, we have to stand up every profile, we have to do all these things, but we are really trying to be, um, we're trying to be the Dropbox of interviewing is kind of what we say. And that means a lot to us, because if you think of how do you grow a company, you can go and try to be the service now or the whatever, where it's this long enterprise sales cycle, you can be the HubSpot, which is kind of what we were talking about earlier, where it's this freemium model where people can adopt. But Dropbox inserted something into the market that was just a better way to share files. It was, hey, I really think I need to show this to Yosh and Evan. Let's throw it in this Dropbox. People weren't calling IT and saying, can I put my files in Dropbox? We are inserting our product into the business. The business is the one that has to live with bad products or bad quality of care. HR is building your funnel 
the business is managing it. We want to serve up our technology in a way that it's just, it's easier to do better interviews. And there's a lot of quality behind better. So that was biggest investment is getting it to where people can buy it that easily. We're about 60 days away from that, a little less, we're three, two and a half sprints away from that. And then the last thing for that is product model fit. So a lot of people talk product market fit and that's the indicators where you say like, are we actually solving a problem? Product model fit is just as important. How, with our business model of selling into the business, how does our product fit that? That's the evolution of your ICPs, like who are the personas you're actually targeting to the pricing? How much friction does the pricing create? Pipeline velocity. So right now our thing is best product, highest velocity of pipeline. And where where is the harmony between product, model, market, and channel. It's something that Brian Balfour, who actually came from HubSpot, coined as far as understanding the harmony between your product market fit. And that's us. People who bet on us believe we can get this into the business and spread across that way versus selling it top down through HR. That's that a lot. That's a lot. That that's a lot. Of, so <laughs> there was a long pause there for me because I was like, uh, buzzwords, Yoshi, you're going to have to follow up on this because these were a lot of startup buzzwords and I am not following. That was amazing. So let me go back to a point that you said earlier because I want to talk about this because it's really bad in law firms. It's the unconscious bias. So is that a selling point to the business that you're trying to fix because it's pre prevalent right now? Um, and we're seeing, you know, a lot of past failures that people are trying to fix, perhaps in the wrong, non-thoughtful, band-aidy way right now. And your product, to me, speaks to addressing sort of root cause problems and getting it in the business. I think it's a brilliant idea because you're taking it out of the HR, which has created a lot of these problems. So um, is that a sell point for you? Like, what are you trying to do when you're trying to get companies to adopt this? Yeah, so it's definitely a selling point. We try to make it clear that we're focused on the E of DEI, so equity, equitable treatment. If you do a, you can do all the diversity sourcing in the world, but if it meets an inequitable or unorganized interview process, your throughput's going to be minimal, right? And so an equitable hiring process gives you a more diverse outcome, which gives you the opportunity to build a more inclusive culture. Um, but we stay in our lane when it comes to that. There are a lot of different conversations going on around equity, inclusion, diversity, belonging. And there are a lot of different ways that you need to approach this. One of which and where you can have the biggest impact is the equitable treatment of people that come and introduce themselves to your company, which is candidates. How equitable is your treatment? And how much are you arming your hiring managers to be able to see someone's potential through the things that they do not recognize? Back to familiar, unfamiliar. Yeah, recall um, bias. I love this. It's, it's all about making your hiring managers understand that those age-old things, what we kind of call the rituals of hiring, of judging it on a handshake or body position or things like that, if it's not my job to stare you in the eyes <laughs> for you know an hour and be a perfect orator, if that's not my job, then don't score me on that. Like prepare me for what it is that I need to do and measure that and hire me for that. Cause there's some people who just play the game well, they know how to get jobs. So there's other people who don't. And so move beyond that. And that's how we play into that unconscious bias. Evan is very directly equitable and knowledgeable hiring 
that's standardized naturally creates a better opportunity for diverse outcomes in hiring. That's awesome. So Joe, by implementing uh, interview IA, what are then some of the, 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 the key KPIs? What are some of the, the metrics that organizations can expect in terms of improving uh, you know, the, the equality within the hiring process? Yeah, totally. So early results we already have are obviously some of the low hanging fruit, um, which is retention and overall time spent on on hiring. So we do impact that. We have some cool metrics around how matrixed interviewing drives higher retention. So if they meet people from different teams, and that's all about candidate experience, but you have to organize your process in order for that to happen. Um, investment in actual product building or organization building is one of the things that we talk about. So increased up to 70% of the time that hiring managers can spend with their team, managing the team, not actually interviewing. So we reduce the friction of interviewing and the time that it takes. On average, it takes 18 minutes to build and document an interview in our system. Um, and that is wow. down from what our other customers have told us they spend on average 40 minutes just to build the scorecards and what they think they might be trying to measure and prep for an interview. So we reduce and give a lot of time back to building teams and spending time building the business. I mean, this is amazing. Uh, and I am, I am so glad that we worked through the technical difficulties to get this on. And I hope that my colleagues and, and colleagues in the legal industry listen to this because this is awesome. Um, but we are getting close to out of time. And at the end, Joe, of all of the podcasts, we like to ask what I will call fluff, nonsensical questions about nothing so people can get <laughs> to know you a little better awesome. uh, and want to talk to you perhaps outside of interview IA, but the substance here has been amazing. So we really, Josh and I are really appreciative of your time today. Um, what are you watching on Netflix? And I hope you say the He-Man show, not to prejudge it at all. What are you watching right now for fun uh so just finished watching on hulu actually uh the good doctor i hadn't watched any of that and it's pretty good i like it there it's, my, dude that, my wife loves that it's uh, great was that a are you trying to was that a knock on me my wife is that uh, was, <laughs> yeah that's a good point that's a good point but no actually all right that's actually very positive. sensitive he's a, he's a sensitive man it's very positive that's great no, that's, that's good. a good show and but you I, mentioned a net a, a streamer that we haven't had on here which is hulu which is awesome yeah you know we, I, I do watch a little bit of hulu and then on netflix um i'm waiting on ozark to come back but it's not back dude, i think yet. it may be canceled actually I, I thought it was coming stories. out later. I love that. And I'm watching Iron Fist. So I binge oh. watch like little random things. It can be background noise, but uh, yeah. yeah. Good doctors probably since I hadn't seen any of them, we slowly watched all four seasons this year and it's been good. I like that. It's a great series. I, I, my wife actually has been trying to get me to watch that because uh, it's supposedly awesome. I just watched season two, episode one of Ted Lasso. Have you watched that show? Awesome. I haven't watched that one. No, it's very uplifting. Yoshi, do you agree with me? It's just so feel happy, good. happy show. Feel good. We happy, all could happy. use some feel good during you know this we time can. period. So that's why I like it. All right, Joe, what what are you reading right now besides decks and stuff to get your seed round closed? Uh, I'm reading The Art of Woo. I'm reading um, 5 a.m. Club. And uh, the, best book I've, the best book I've read this year is Effortless. It's uh, the same author who wrote his first book was called Essentialism. 
but um great book effortless it's kind of my it's I'm writing it's these down i think book I, of the year did you you heard of a book getting away from average end of average end of average yeah that's a great book todd rose <laughs> yeah i just mm-hmm. got that i haven't gotten through all of it but it, i mean it speaks to me so far yeah, so we've actually interviewed Todd a few times. I, he's not an official advisor to our company, but great. I think Harvard or Yale professor who wrote, he, he writes about the history of average, but talks a lot about how we've gotten into the simplistic measurement of above or below average. And that's how we think about people and all this other kind of stuff. Great book, great author. Yeah. All right. Well, we are out of time. Yosh, do you have any final comment before we let Joe go? This has been terrific. And so I can't thank you enough. Uh, only comments I'd say is, is that uh, Joe is, um, he, he's got a lot of uh, exciting uh, runway ahead with, with himself and, and the Colorado startup scene, as well as uh, with interview IA. And so Joe, uh, looking forward to seeing where your trajectory goes, because I know it's going to be up, up and up. So thanks for coming on the podcast.